In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Men, are you concerned about sending your children to the public schools? Are you concerned about the things they're bringing home and they're being taught that go way beyond uh, the curriculum itself? On today's episode, we wanna help you, the public school dad, strengthen the faith and resolve of your children as you send them into the public schools. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your guide and host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men, leading you into your best version in the stress bubble of life and beyond. Welcome to today's episode. Hey, guys, before we get into the interview, I want to share one of our hero stories. Remember, we're gathering 365 hero stories this year, one for every day of the week this year. This one comes from a guy on TikTok. I have a lot of people saying, hey, why are you on TikTok? You know, blah, blah, blah. Well, hey, we are seeing so much movement and life change from those videos going viral on TikTok. This one comes from Mad Chef Consultant, and he wrote this. Dude, I love it when guys say dude. Dude, you've changed my marriage, family, and life. I'm starting a youth group in my town. Now that is a story of transformation. He is now starting a youth ministry in his town. His marriage, his faith. Man, thank you so much, Mad Chef Consultant. Hit us up at info at menandarena.org with your physical address. We want to send you some swag just to say thank you. Hey guys, did you know that November we have opened up our signups for you to register for one of our virtual teams. If you go to meninarena.org and click the Join Our Program Now button, for a limited time in the month of November, you can get on to one of our many virtual teams. Find the one in your time zone. Find the one that fits the day of the week and your time schedule. And man, grow into your best version. Sign up now before we shut them down at the end of the month. Hey guys, make sure you stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear our weekly man law. And guys, thank you again for making this Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Hey guys, I'm excited to bring on my new friend, Tony Rory. Tony lives in the Dallas, Texas area with his beautiful wife of 33 years, Melissa. Tony's the author. Tony's an author and the founder of Men and Ladies of Honor, a character education group that exists to make passionate followers of Christ by mentoring and training 11 to 17-year-olds in the principles of chivalry, honor, moral excellence, and courageous leadership. Tony began his honor program while working as a public school principal in a, with a student body of over 1,000 students in the Tex Dallas, Texas area. His program has reduced disciplinary incident rates 42% on campuses overall. Now that's in, that's in overall. That means students that weren't involved in this program. That's an entire uh, picture of the whole campus. And with those students who come into his program, 80% of those incidences are reduced. That is phenomenal. Hundreds of young people have been saved and discipled uh, through this ministry. Several churches and schools have adopted the curriculum. His program can be found in multiple locations across the U.S. and 14 countries around the world. Tony, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for having me, brother. I'm really excited. 
Yeah, me too. I, it was really fun. One of our uh, one of our leaders, uh, Rob Hood, he's out in St. Louis. Somehow he interacted with me. He started texting me, and I said, well, do you know him? He goes, well, he's sitting right next to me <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember that, that a couple months ago when that happened. But, uh, hey, tell us your story. Uh, tell us, you know, take us back to those days when you were a principal uh, and just walk us through the story of Men and Ladies of Honor. Yeah, it, it was actually a, a miraculous story the way that we began. Uh, as you mentioned, I was a public school principal, and I was in the inner city area of Dallas in uh, what is the second highest child mortality zip code in Dallas-Fort Worth. And so, you know, my job as a principal was discipline. So day after day, I was just, you know, dealing with uh, knuckleheads that were showing up in my office. And, you know, you know being a believer and, and being a dad, you know, I wanted to do something a little bit more uh, preventative than curative. So I just started, you know, four particular boys that were in my office pretty much every day. Um, their common denominator was they just didn't have a dad. So I just started loving on these boys and started just, you know, pouring into them just the basics, you know, giving them a couple hints here and there. I'd say, hey, bro, when you go back into your classroom, you know, um, say yes, ma'am, to your teacher. And when she comes to the door, I want you to get up and open the door for her. And if she's carrying something, I want you to carry it for her. And they were soon back in my office saying, you know, Mr. Rory, she loves me. You know, so took took those four boys that were just, you know, the worst on the campus and started with the basics of home training. But you and I both know that that's not enough. Boys need to understand what is the biblical uh, definition of Christ-like manhood. So just started teaching these four boys after school. I got permission to do an after school program because obviously it wasn't, wasn't uh, cool to do that during the school day. And so I started doing it after school with a group of about four boys. And then I looked up one day and the group of four boys had turned into 50 boys and, and they were all saying, you know, teach us how to be men. And so that's how we got started. And, and just, you know, didn't really have like a set curriculum at first, just was kind of winging it and, Holy Spirit helped me to, you know, develop some 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 basics that I that I wanted to impart to them. And also I was a dad at the time. So I was raising my, my son and, uh, you know, it just it made a big impact. At the end of the year, the, the district called me in and they said, what is it that you're doing that's different than the other campuses around you? Because your discipline rates have, have cut in half. Your test scores have gone up. Your attendance has gone up. And we know you're not that smart. So what is it that you're doing? So, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, you're not going to want to hear this, but I'm teaching these boys how to be Christ-like men. And they were like, yeah, that's not what we want to hear, but it's really impacting the budget. So could you maybe look at scaling this onto a couple other campuses? So, you know, then we did uh, pilot programs in different areas and sent it, you know, to different regions to find out, is this just something that works in Texas or, is this something that would work in Michigan? So we did a pilot program there and uh, it was all little white kids in the snow. And then we did some stuff in, in, in Mississippi in the poverty of the Delta. And the results came back after the end of that year. And uh, those groups had actually done a better job than I had. So then we realized, okay, this is something that that's a God program that, that might be scalable. And since that time, guys like uh, you mentioned, Rob Hood have come on board with us and, and working in their school districts and just we help them to get into the schools and then give them the resources uh, to use to mentor those students. And it's making a massive impact. So that's how we got started. Wow. So I, I you, you mentioned two things and I want to go back. You said you taught them the basics of <clears throat> home training. So what are some of those basics? What are some basic yeah. skills that these fatherless or boys in fatherless regions don't know? Well, it's the, the first lesson that we have with them is called chivalry. And uh, they, they've never heard that word before. And so we just start with the basics of, you know, how to, how to shake hands, you know, how to get a good firm handshake, get eye contact, um, how to open the door for ladies. As I mentioned, we teach the boys that uh, when, when a lady comes in the room, all the men should stand up, which is kind of, you know, lost through the generations. Uh, but then we just kind of build on, on that, you know, that, that being a gentleman, you know, being a man is one thing, but being a gentleman is yet another thing. And so when those boys do that, it helps them to distinguish themselves and 
They, they feel proud of themselves. They feel better about themselves. And of course it makes a big impact on the school campus. Well, and they're <clears throat> contrary to what you will hear. They are being affirmed by the women when they do that. You know, we're told in this society, you, you know, I've had my wife, you know, I open doors for her. I try to do these things for her and you know, it's affirming to women. I'm not doing this because you need me to do it. You're plenty strong enough to open the door. You're plenty strong enough to walk in first. It is an honor thing. I want to honor you and the position that God has given you as a woman. And contrary to what people want to tell you, I've never had a woman uh, frown, uh, get angry, you know, tell tell me no thank you. And so what's happened, I think, is we are afraid of these false voices out there that say chivalry is dead. Do you want to address that one step further? Yeah, absolutely. And it's and, and you're right. It is it is honor. And you know, that's our website. Honor changes everything because it really does. And the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. And so when we implement honor in an atmosphere, we're actually introducing the presence of our heavenly father because he is honor. So that's why when you see displays of honor and patriotism, and things like that, you get a get a lump in your throat because it's the presence of God you know, that comes with it. So, yeah, it's just chivalry is just the basics like i mentioned uh saying yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am and the kids we, we we teach them that that opens additional doors for them as well when they act that way yeah i agree you know one of the things we taught our boys early on was shake somebody shake them their hand with a firm handshake and look them in the eye and you will not now, don't get me wrong. Your last impression is your lasting impression, but it doesn't hurt to make a good first impression, <laughs> especially in a job interview when you've got about an hour. Absolutely. So, we no, teach them that that's, that's the difference between getting the job and losing the job because you communicate uh, not just verbally, but physically who you are to someone quickly. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, I'll tell you what, sometimes like if we were to meet in person, I go shake your hands every so often, you know, you're looking the guy in the eye and you miss the hand. Like I had this really yeah. kind of lame, limp wristed handshake with a guy the other day. And I just stopped. Let's do that again. You know what I mean? It's okay to miss. Just do it again. Make sure you get it right eventually, you know? So, so the second thing you said was biblical manhood. Now I know that, that you are uh, the spiritual son of Edwin Louise Cole. No, how do I pronounce his middle name? Lewis. Edwin Lewis. Of Edwin Lewis Cole, who I've read his books, and uh, he's a phenomenal human, and I'm friends with his son, Paul, now. So talk to us about when you think of, and he wrote the book Maximized Manhood, which is a very small book, but it really de defines manhood in a lot of ways. What are these principles of biblical manhood that are the most critical for you to teach? Well, we go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis that God created them male and female. And we teach them that being a male is a matter of birth, but being a man is a matter of choice. And in today's world, we've got the, the gender blender stuff that's going on that's really you know, challenging uh, the word of God and, and God's intention for a young man. So we, we start with that, but we, we also teach them that manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. Um, being a male is a matter of birth, being a man is a matter of choice. But the more like Jesus they are, the more manly they become. And the less like Jesus they are, the more childish they become. So we try to show them what those attributes are and how Jesus loved people, how he served people, how he was not only responsible for, for himself, but responsible for the world. And that uh, maturity doesn't come with age, but it comes with the acceptance of responsibility. And that's what maturity really is for, for young men. Yeah. No, that's 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 awesome. I agree 100%. But I, I just was reminded, you know, half of our guys listening are like, hey, man, what about my daughter? You know, I've got daughters. So you have men and ladies, man, men and ladies of honor. How do you teach women chivalry? What are some uh, components of chivalry with women? I think it's just the same thing. It's just uh, displaying honor. Yeah. Um, everything that we teach in the, in the Ladies of Honor program is a mirror of the Men of Honor program. But we, we want to teach those young ladies about, you know, moral excellence and courageous leadership, uh, about inner beauty, uh, that that's their true beauty. And just just help them with, with some of the same tools that the young men learn. And we even teach them how to shake hands right. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. John Eldridge uh, talks about the primary question a young man asks is, do I have what it takes? And the primary question a young woman asks is, am I enough? You know, and so it's really funny, even though we teach the curriculum, at the end of the day, they are different and they do require tweaks here and there. 
to affirm their identity or the mantle that God has made them. So that's some powerful stuff. So, hey, off your website, you said this, man and lady. So it's, is it man of honor or lady? Is it men or man? Men. Okay, because somehow yeah. I've got man here, and I'm like, that's not correct English. So, okay, from your website, you said, men and ladies of honor's vision is to see future and new generations of young men and women who are balanced in their soul and bold in their spirit, <laughs> balanced in their soul and who are bold in their spirit, who are more concerned with character over comfort, care over criticism, revelation over rebellion, justice over juvenile thinking, and others over themselves. I, I love that statement. Can you share, uh, you know, share the story behind how this is unfolding now and how you've got it into schools and countries? How are you, how are you spreading this message? It's really exciting. You know, kids today are, are so hungry and they, they're not getting answers. And so they're really looking. And, you know, when you and I went to school, when it when it hit three thirty or whenever school ended, you and I were running for the house. We were watching the clock the whole time. These kids are going home to some pretty hellish places. So they're actually sticking around after school to be a part of these men and ladies of honor groups like one of the one of the launches that we did uh, here at a school close by uh, 421 students showed up for that so they're, they're really hungry and they're getting saved in record numbers I mean just in two schools that are within a uh, two mile radius here of my home we went into last week and saw 110 salvations take place so kids right now they're they're desperate they're hungry they're longing for answers and you know the Lord has really changed the palate of this generation I think we have a an extreme generation that really is looking for something to lay their life down for and something that uh, they can get involved in that, that really means something. And so they're gravitating to the program. And when they get involved, um, they're going, they're going all in and it's uh, it's impacting not only their lives, but their families as well. You know, it's interesting, uh, Tony, you know, in uh, 185 AD, a guy named St. Irenaeus or St. Irenaeus, however you want to pronounce it, said the glory of man the glory of god is man fully alive and these kids are being raised in this generation it's inundating them with lies and those lies are bringing death and not life so i believe we are in a culture right now i i personally believe i mean i've seen some signs out there that, that god has revealed to me there's a revival coming uh, it's coming to America. It's already happening around the world, and it's going to come in such a way it's going to change the culture because our young people are realizing, wait, everything I've been told by my teacher or my uh, or the TV or YouTube or whatever is is not true. It's not bringing life. It's bringing death, and they're they're looking for something to give their lives to. And I think that we're seeing this outpouring uh, in the early phases right now. We see it in Auburn. We saw it at Asbury. I think there's stuff going on there because, as you said, they're so hungry. And there are no answers out there. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, another thing is that, you know, um, Jesus told us the last thing he said was go and make disciples. And and we also know that, you know, 80% of youth or people who come to Christ do so before the age of 19. But the data further shows that if we don't catch them by 14, we begin to lose them. So if I was going to tell you, hey, uh, if you're going to go fishing in this lake, you can catch 80% of the fish in this one area you would not go to another area of the lake. So going to the public school campus, it just makes sense in terms of being able to, you know, reach the masses right now. And I, I really believe that if we can scale and, and get volunteers and men and ladies involved uh, on going onto the campus, I believe we'll see that revival quickly. I agree. I was a youth pastor as you, I was a youth pastor for 25 years and I gave a quarter of my life to that. And I, I believe it wholeheartedly. You know, God has switched the calling because I'm going back to equip the men who are damaging the kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. we're doing something a little different. But so um, I didn't understand this until just now as you were speaking. This is an after. I was going, how does he implement this program? How does he implement? You How are you going to do this in the public schools? But the key phrase is after school program, right? Right. And we do it either before school or after school. And what we tell the schools is because our, our curriculum is Bible based, you know, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we won't charge the school a penny, which that already piques their interest. And then we say we don't charge the kids a penny. We do 
all exterior fundraising and God just sovereignly provides for all of it. So, um, yeah, they're like, yeah, please come in. <laughs> well, that, that's, I actually did that at one point in my ministry and after school program, it was extremely successful. It was exhausting on top of all the other responsibilities, but that, that gives me hope because when I, I live out here in Oregon, State law requires tampons to be in the boys' bathrooms. Now, the kids who play sports love them. They make good nose plugs if you have a nosebleed. But yeah. it's like, come on, really? Is that That's insane. So in a state like ours that's saying stuff like this, I'm like, there's no way this program can be implemented. But now I'm going, I really think that there's a po there's a possibility. So tell us about, you have, you have a two-pronged approach, so it's not just after school. So tell us about your two-pronged approach, approach to ministry. So we do a couple things. So, you know, a lot of organizations focus on evangelism, which is wonderful. But if you if you do evangelism without discipleship, you've really done a disservice because you actually inoculate people. They, they're like, yeah, I tried it. Didn't work, you know, because no one taught them how to walk. So our two prong uh, approach is we take kids to a weekend camp that's uh, a game changer. You know, we pick them up from school on a Friday and then we bring them back on a Sunday and that whole weekend they're involved in you know we do just boys at one camp or just girls at, at another camp and for the boys it focuses on self, salvation you know see them filled with the Holy Spirit um, rites of passage we do a father's blessing we do this uh, thing called the walk of manhood leadership development stuff so it's very scripted the whole weekend that, that we try to turn the heart of a young person in one weekend and then when they come back from the camp, they get plugged into a two-year discipleship process that takes place on the school campus for one hour once a week. So we just want to reinforce what took place at the camp. We don't want to just get them saved. We want to actually get them discipled. So these young men that are <clears throat> going through, I'm just talking young men right now, or even young ladies, they're going through a rite of passage. You do a, the same thing with both young men and young ladies. So... Mm -hmm you're dealing with inner city stuff. You're dealing with a lot of fatherlessness. How are you doing that rite of passage? Are you using surrogate dads? I mean, who's stepping in for these young people? They're actually volunteers from the church and we try to build relationships between the church and the school. And uh, one of our axioms is it's amazing what can happen when nobody cares who gets the credit. Yeah. So yeah. We get, we give the program to the churches and hopefully they'll build a relationship with a school that's closest to their church, we'll, we'll train their leaders. We'll give them, you know, our resources to be able to do it. But then that church actually gets to build that relationship and build the bridge to get the kids and the family sometimes, you know, into their church where they can have even a deeper relationship. Okay. Wow. That's really, I, I was assuming that was what you were going to say. I just had to ask the question. So you, you, when did you, when did you go full-time into this ministry and leave the public schools? What year was that? So we started the program in 2003, and it was probably 10 years ago when I when I launched into it full time, just because it just it was growing so so fast, I couldn't keep up with all of it, and, and my family at the same time. So uh, we launched, and God's just been sovereignly provided for for all of our needs and causing the program to continue to grow. And now we have, as you mentioned, regional directors in 14 countries now. So it's it, it's really growing, but it's been an incredible journey, you know, to be able to serve the Lord full time and still kind of be in the school somewhat. So. Yeah. Well, now are your regional directors are they full time fundraisers as well? They raise their own support. Some of them do. Uh, we kind of do a mixed model with them, but we try to have them have their own budget in their own area. Uh, we we help seed the the initial launch to get them up and going, and then. Then, as you know, as they begin to make an impact, then their community gets involved with with funding it. So you launched this full time in circa 2013. Yeah. So, so what are so a lot has changed since 200, 2013 in the public schools. What are some of the most drastic? And you're in Texas. You're in a place that would probably change a little slower. I would imagine, just based on you know the the structure of the state. What what are some of the most drastic things that you've seen in recent days that have you've just kind of shook your head and went, man, I just can't believe this is happening. Anything really standing out to you? Yeah, it, mainly it's the gender issues right now. And, and it's almost, it's almost um, propaganda that's being placed in the schools. And uh, I mean, it's just some of the things that they're doing. You've probably heard some of the stories where the teachers are, 
actually creating a closet in the in the classroom for the student to come and put on the girl clothes. If he wants to come and put on girl clothes and doesn't want his parents to know, then he can go into this closet and get these clothes. And then at the end of the day, go back in and take them off so that your parents don't know. It's almost like from really promoting it. So that's probably been the biggest thing. And, um, you know, we, we've also had to fight a few battles with that too, because we will, we'll have girls that will try to show up to the men of honor meeting and boys that try to come to the ladies of honor meeting. And, you know, we, we draw the line and say, that's, you know, that's not going to happen. So uh, we, we try to lay the truth pretty straight, which in a world where, you know, values are just beginning to taper off so drastically that our same values look like we're departing, but, you know, we're just remaining the same. Well, I think this is probably our biggest message to dads is that, and you said it earlier, you said in a world that's filling these young people with lies, they're looking for the truth. And I, and I think the education system, uh, those people that are promoting and propagating that, that will come out. But these there, but we, I have a lot of guys that are involved in our ministry that are public school teachers, administrators. I mean, they are they are in the belly of the beast. What would you say to those guys and gals? What what is their Christian response to truth? Uh, in a way, a lot of them are afraid of firing, which I think they need to get over that. But but what what would you say to those people in the belly of the beast uh, when it comes to the truth of Jesus in the schools where God has sent them? You know, I think, you know, and I would tell my teachers this too. I would say, you know, we, we do have a higher authority that we have to answer to, and, and it's even higher than the school district. Uh, we have to answer to God one day. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand by our values. We're going to stand by the truth. We're going to uh, speak the truth in love. We're going to be wise as serpent and gentle as doves. And one thing that I found is that the majority of schools are filled with Christians uh, mm-hmm. because Christians love kids. We love people. Yeah. So who, who better to be a teacher? So what I find is in any region that we go in, the majority of the coaches and the teachers are Christians who, who love kids. So it, it's helpful to have that. I'm not saying they're all that. Obviously, they're not. But uh, that's what we find is the majority are. Yeah, and we have to keep encouraging those guys and gals to promote truth. They don't have to like you said earlier, if it's honor, honor is a, a, a biblical principle. When you're honoring others, you're bringing God into the equation. They can bring God in the equation through truth. I mean, and they don't have to open their mouth to, to you know preach the gospel as far as doctrine and theology, but they can actually promote truth. And there's so much, uh, so many lies being distributed among the schools that those guys that are truth speakers that will stand out. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, and I think you said something really great about affirmation. And I think that's probably the greatest thing a teacher can do is to, to affirm a student. And that's what young men are looking for is affirmation. Yeah, and I can remember I was in seventh grade and, and my English teacher, who was also one of my football coaches, he was like a surrogate dad to me. And I wrote a wrote a paper or something. And on it, he wrote, Tony, you express yourself so well. And man, that, that lit my fire. I was like, man, I can do anything now. I can write anything now. And so I think that's something that Christians and believers and teachers can really do is, is bring the affirmation and bring it strong. That's really funny. I remember uh, I had a, a PE teacher who I respected who is a, was a believer. He wrote on my yearbook, Jim, I never want to hear that you're a typical athlete at your high school. And he wrote it in red ink. And I called him at 82 years old, and I said, those letters really inspired and impacted me. He started crying. He's a believer. He actually died a year later. And so I'm so glad I had the opportunity to share that because we don't know how how much the words of a, a godly teacher or counselor or administrator can impact a life of a, a, a young... At the end of the day, in, in Oregon, you can go and you can have a, 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 a sex change and I, without your parents' permission. And I think it's at 16. It's even be, It might even be younger than that. Anyway, but before you can get, get your driver's license or smoke a cigarette legally or drink a beer, you know, and so... The, but these are kids who are struggling. <laughs> They're struggling it was emotionally, you know, and we just need some people to affirm who they are. So I really, I really appreciate that. So, okay, so, so I'm a dad. I've got... I've got kids, I got sons and daughters, you know, and I'm, I'm seeing this thing uh, kind of, I'm seeing that I'm sending my kids into this environment. They're coming home with more questions and answers. How do I, as a father, what are some things I can do to equip my kids to live according to the truth I am promoting in their life? 
I think we just need to be the be the voice of the consistent voice of truth in their lives. And it's like even my grandson, you know, he, he came home and he was telling me uh, a little bit about, you know, there's this boy at, at school and he's and he, and he asked me, he goes, uh, do you think I look like a girl or do you think I look like a boy? What do you think I am? And it just opened up the conversation. I said, Nixon, you know, you know who you are. I said, first of all, if you have a penis, you're a boy. You can't be anything else, you know? Yeah. And uh, hello. So, and, you know, of course, my, my daughter didn't care for that too much. She's like, dad, don't be that, you know, but I think we need to be the con- consistent voice of the truth and say it like it is and say it real and be strong in our definitions of manhood uh, because they're looking for answers right now. And your voice will resonate in their ears when they get in that situation where they're struggling and they're going to know what their identity is because you've instilled it in them. Well, you know, it, it goes back even a step further. And I know I'm not going to sound real popular right now, but when my kids were five years old, I said, listen, there is no such thing as Santa. That's your mommy and daddy. On Easter, we celebrate the resurrection. The Easter bunny does not come and lay eggs. So that's mommy and daddy. So, you know, you don't have to, don't ruin your kids' lives, your buddy, your friends' lives by telling them. But we wanted our kids early on to know that this is the truth. We didn't want to deceive them in any way, lie to them in any way, because when it came down to these bigger issues, we wanted them to listen to us. And, and so I think that you know parents need to really think about this whole tooth fairy and Easter bunny and all this stuff. And then when we try to bring Jesus into the program, uh, it, it just it just we need to be truth speakers to our children. So, so I'm I'm really intrigued with this program. I think this is a massive need in our public schools. I mean, private schools, it's just a massive need. So how do we, let's walk through this step. So I'm a dad listening. I live in Detroit, Michigan. I live in Santa Barbara, California. I live in Lake Oswego, Oregon. I live in Seattle, Washington. You know, I live, I live in, you know, Austin, Texas or Houston, probably Houston, whatever. <laughs> how do I start this thing? What, what, what are, what, and how, and how do I deal with administration? Cause to me, that's the, the hurdle, right? Yeah, but what we're finding is that, you know, these school districts are really struggling. I mean, because they've got all the finances they need. They've got all the, you know, the, the tools that they need. And it's it's none of it's working. And so at this point, you know, they're they're teaching their dead level best to 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 pour into all the new requirements that are coming down the pipe. They're working so hard um, and, and just bandwidth is just it, it, it's just taken up. So. For, to be able to step onto a campus and offer to serve them, they're going to be open. And then if you let them know, hey, this is going to impact the metrics that that you're you're measured by, you know, discipline incidents, attendance, test scores, we're going to impact all those in a positive direction. Well, they're going to say, yeah, please, absolutely. And, you know, they're, they're very open at this point. People think that they're closed, but they're actually quite open to it. And because we do everything legal and constitutional, and like you mentioned, after school, um, there's no hindrance to be able to do it. We should be able to do it. And then developing that relationship with a church that's close by, hopefully there's a, that's already going on at some level. If not, then we can help churches get in, in the door to make the introduction uh, so that they can do that. And that's all available on our website as well. Okay. And so... So practically speaking, I mean, I, I, I launched our ministry in 2012, and I saw God's sovereign hand, and I saw the resources flowing in. But when it comes to money in America, people don't think that way sometimes. They think practically. So pr- let's talk practically. What are some pr- – and to me, I'm hearing this program, and I'm, I'm hearing, man, you know, really uh, committed volunteers can do this. Like it doesn't sound like it takes a lot of financial resource – to do this. So let's get some boots on the ground here. H- how difficult or how would you resource this in a practical way? So our costs, like you mentioned, it, it doesn't take a lot to do this because we produce our own curriculum and, and use volunteer leaders. Um, you know, the, where we incur some costs is we, we provide snacks at every meeting, which is a big deal for kids. You know, they're starving. So, totally. Uh, and some of them just come for the snacks, to be honest, uh, initially. Yeah. But then, then they hear what their heart is really hungry for. Uh, but, but our cost to be able to do a program per child is $108 a year. And that, that covers their shirt, their magazines, their snacks, their award, their camp. You know, we can do all that stuff. Uh, 
you know, because we, we work with volunteers and we break that down to $9 a month. And then we find as many sponsors as we can. And some people sponsor large amounts of students, but we've got some little grandmothers that say, sure, I can afford $9 a month. And that has, has really helped us in every community that we've gone into. We've had an abundance of budget. It just, it, it ends up catching up quickly. Uh, but like I said, we'll, we'll seed the program to get, to get started to begin with. And then, then that community will come on and, 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 and pick up the weight. Well, and plus you're, you're in the public school. Your name does not have anything Christian in it. Are you able to gather secular funds and get people out there who aren't involved in the church that just want to help kids? I mean, do you find that your resources are 50, 50, hundred percent in the church? Or I mean, what are you finding? It's mainly Christians, you know, okay. uh, because we, we, we are overtly evangelistic when we okay. talk about uh, what we're doing. Uh, the majority are Christians, but I'm sure there are some who just, you know, there's some things we've got some kids that come to men and ladies of honor that are Muslim. And what we tell them is, Hey, you know, we can all agree on character. We can all agree on honor and integrity and stuff that, it, and then once they come in, they begin to hear what they really love and things begin to happen. And then other, you know, you mentioned snacks. So I've did youth ministry for 25 years. There are so many resources out there for free snacks. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. call your Frito-Lay delivery guy, you know, call your local donut shop. I mean, there are so many organizations out there that are dumping tons of food. So we have, like, I have a service on Wednesday nights. Last night we had 15 boxes, not donuts, 15 boxes of donated donated donuts. And so wow. there, there are plenty of organizations. If you're willing to, you know, scramble a little bit early on and ask around, that's not a problem. Now the shirts, explain the magazines. So we have a, a, a magazine curriculum because we, we teach the students during the lesson and our, our leader manual is 42 character specific lessons that we're teaching during that hour that we're with them. But we also give them our magazine curriculum that they can take home and, and it's got stuff in it like the, uh, you remember the, the navigators scripture memory stuff? Yeah. It's got that, that type thing in there, but it's also got stories of the, uh, you know, the, different codes of honor of the samurai and the Texas Rangers and the, you know, Navy SEALs and things that, that guys really enjoy. And also stuff for, for the girls as well, that they can see profiles of uh, characters that they can identify with and learn Christian attributes. So they take that curriculum and they work through it um, for the boys when they finish uh, their third magazine and they get a, a dagger that's about this long. It has their name engraved that we award them at a ceremony. But we tell them we don't give daggers to boys. We only give daggers to men. And that what that means is we've gotten emails. We're getting comments that everybody's saying to us, this guy's really stepped his game up. He's starting to take responsibility, starting to act like a man. Uh, for the girls, they get a sterling silver bracelet that they'll later uh, hang charms on that they earn for doing different things. So it, it has some of the, you know, the Boy, Boy Scout, Girl Scout merit badge type stuff to it, but we're not teaching about fires and ropes and stuff like that. We're teaching about, you know, compassion and leadership and integrity and things that they do on the campus. So <clears throat> I'm just, I'm trying to transfer this over to a volunteer person so they won't have access to the time required to raise a lot of these resource funds, but do they even need to do that? I mean... What so it sounds like the magazine is a must do, right? It sounds like yeah. uh, it's now the shirt. Is that a is that a across the board? You see that happening across the board? Yeah, it has to happen because it's part of the two year process that the student goes through. Okay, they have to, okay. They memorize our axioms, which are our core values, and when they memorize those, they get that shirt, which represents a new identity. Okay. Then they, then they launch into the magazines, and then. If they get to this, by the time they get to the second magazine, they qualify for camp. Uh, and then they, when they finish the magazines, they jump into some of the Ed Cole curriculum. Okay. I got you. And I guess some of these students could, their parents could fork over the money up front. So it doesn't even have to be a donor, right? It could be a parent just forks over the cash or, or I'm just trying to understand yeah. here. How does it play out with you guys? Yeah. The majority of the kids that we deal with don't have engaged parents. I mean, we even did a gala okay. here and we left the whole section open for parents and guess what happened to that section? There was not one. And and for me, it was, I started to be discouraged at first. I said, yes, hey, for sure. You know, 
we, we've done something wrong. And they said, no, we've done something right. These are the kids that we need to be reaching because there's not engaged godly parents. And, you know, you know, the stats, I mean, it's oh, 46% uh, nationally, no, no engaged godly father, urban area, 78%. But what we, we're seeing is nine out of 10 homes don't have an engaged godly father. So guys from the church can really go on the campus and make a big impact. Gosh, that's it's it's we are we are in a, a real pandemic here uh, of fatherlessness. I mean, it is it is uh, it's really scary. So so now, how about how are you having? How are you guys doing in the suburban types of environments? Do you feel like it's more of a urban environment where you're having success, or is it working across the board? It's working across the board because I think it's the same issues. Uh-huh, uh, I there agree. Used to be a a different polarization, but now I think it's the same issues. And like we go into some really high poverty areas and they're dealing with a lot of the same things that are being dealt with in the, in the very affluent areas. Mm -hmm. It's kind of normalized itself. Well, I mean, I've, I'm pretty tightly connected to a, a group of guys in one of the richest counties in America. And I've never seen so much brokenness in my life. It's just unbelievable what some of these guys are doing. And so just because there's affluence does not mean the absence of brokenness it, yeah. it, it accentuates it so that's really good man well i i'll tell you what this is the, so if i go to your website and i say hey i want to start this program i mean I, I i'm assuming a teacher would do it i'm assuming an administrator would do it i'm assuming a, a committed christian parent would do it what's this process look like is it a Six-month process at a year process. You launch only in the beginning of the school year. I, I heard you say it's a two-year process to take the kids through the program. But what's the actual launch step process? Yeah, so we start anytime. You know, we always say when's the best time to plant a tree? Yesterday. The yeah. Second best time is today. So we want to get started. We've started right at the end of a school year. We started at the beginning of a school year. It's about I would say it's a probably good two-month uh, up ramp to get to get into the school uh-huh. and some of the practical steps that, that that you're asking about are we'll we'll visit with the superintendent then we'll visit with the site principals we'll we'll make that connection and then we'll go and meet with the athletic directors and some that will help us to do some of the gathering and um from there we'll get the leaders up and trained to get the churches involved and do some presentations there to help help the church recruit some leaders and then kick it off Man, I'll tell you what, I am so glad that I ran into you because this is, I, I mean, I believe there's something coming to our country that's going to shift the culture, but in the meantime, we need grinders. <laughs> I mean, we need guys grinding it, and you, what you're doing, this program is a grinder. You're getting guys in there, you're just impacting lives one at a time, two at a time, dozens at a time. So, man, I, I am super thankful for what you're doing. We need guys like you. Uh, tip of the spear, and I'm and guys, if you're listening to this episode right now, and you have kids in the public school, this is a great way for you to do something about it. Or if you're connected to a local church and you've got a a, a youth pastor, man, this would be a great uh, opportunity to buy your youth pastor lunch. They're poor; they need the they need the free lunch, so buy them lunch. <laughs> uh, talk about this program. This is a great opportunity because there's some loss. We've lost some ground in the public schools, guys. And we need to start taking it back. And so, Tony, this is the way to do it, man. I appreciate it. So I went on. I had. I went on. I found. I think I found your website. Uh, and you're right. It wasn't what I was looking for. I was typing in all the. And it, I think it is www.honorchangeseverything.com. That's it. That's our website. So I love. I love that. So honorchangeseverything.com, guys. You can get on there and you can sign up for it. And here's one of the things from the website I really appreciated. Here it says this. Character, honesty, integrity, and perseverance rest at the very core of a life lived out of honor. Our youth begin with our, our youth begin to operate with this blend of personal qualities. Everything changes. Their relationship, their parents, teachers, friends, and enemies is transformed. It opens new doors of opportunity to them as the authority figures in their lives begin to trust them with more responsibility and reward. So that is such a powerful statement. Uh, anything else you want to tell these guys when they go visit your website? Well, I just want to say thank you so much for, for highlighting us and bringing us on. And uh, it's so simple to make such a big difference. You know, I, I tell pastors and leaders and, and guys in church, you know, um, kids, kids today, the voice that's most prevalent in their lives 
is usually the voice of a grandparent because grandparents are raising kids. So when guys say, well, I feel like I'm too old or I'm not the hip youth pastor or whatever, kids don't care. They don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So just being there, I've got a guy that's 86 years old that goes onto a campus and the kids just love him. So it, it's a great way to make a, make a big impact. And uh, it's so rewarding. And I tell pastors all the time, where else can you go? And in the next three weeks, see over 200 salvations. I mean, that's, that's right here. It's the largest unevangelized mission field in the world, I believe, is right here in our public schools in North America. Well, you know what? Let's talk about this for a second, Tony. So I was a youth pastor from 1990, and I did youth ministry through 2014. So that's a quite a span of time there. How about you? What was your range? Like, yeah, when I were you started doing? right around that same time. Okay, yeah, so and, when when and, we okay, sorry, go ahead. No, saying and all the way up until you know, I'm still a youth pastor, I guess. Well, no, you still are doing youth ministry for sure. Yeah. So for me, what I realized is there was a time period in there where you got to a certain age and is kind of like oh, I'm not relevant, blah blah blah. But but that is, I have seen a shift, and here's why: our like for example, our ministry, my guys that follow me are mostly way younger guys, you know, guys that are the age of my children or a little older because we are raising a generation of fatherless kids. These kids are either uh, fatherless because their dad, their dad is not physically there or he is not, uh, he's not psychologically there. He's, he's, he's removed himself from the equation as a factor. He's a zero factor parent. And so these guys are looking for somebody who's going to teach them what it means to be a, a man of God, a woman of God, a man or a woman, you know, you know, just this shit act, this thing of just, what does it mean to be me? And so these, I have found that these older guys and gals are bringing wisdom experiences. They're bringing everything to the table. And this generation is not looking at them anymore. Like they looked at us and said, are you cool enough for me? They're looking at that older generation and go, do you have something to offer me? Cause I didn't get it at home. And Absolutely. there's no better, there's no better time. Yeah. And, and, and what's so exciting about it is, you know, I love watching guys when they come on the campus because, you know, they've been looking for some way to get involved and, and everybody want, everybody knows this is an issue. They just don't know how to go about it. But when they step on the campus, God's hand comes on them. When they start coaching, something comes out of a man and he comes alive at a level that, that he wasn't previously alive to. And they tell me all the time, man, that was, that was incredible. I want to do that again. So it's, I would just encourage all men to get involved and ladies as well. We need lots of ladies that the men of honor program started initially, but then the ladies of honor started, the girls on the campus started saying, and, then, and by the way, it's not grammatically a cr correct men and ladies, but the girls said, we don't want to be women of honor. We want to be ladies of honor. So you know, they get their way. So we said, absolutely. But that program began to grow faster than the Men of Honor program because girls are, well, let's face it, they're smarter than us. They're more communicative. So uh, it's just taken off, and that's growing in a big way as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. when you know, I, I don't know about you, man. I'm at the point. I'm 57. How old are you? 55. Okay, so we're at the age. A lot of our friends are retiring. A lot of our yeah. educator friends are retiring. A lot of our uh, people who work for the state and the local government are retiring. And what I have found is those people really struggle. And if those people don't find traction uh, within a couple of years, they die earlier even. And so this is a great opportunity to give these guys that are retired purpose. Uh, there, there is a purpose out there for them. And and I, I think the church is going to kind of bounce back and start leaning into that. I, th I think for the church, the last 30 years has not leaned into our, our retired adults, but I think they're going to start as they realize the brokenness that's coming through those churches and through our schools with our children and our, 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 our preteens and our teenagers. And so uh, if you are a guy listening right now and you're looking for something to do, uh, you want to be valued, man, I'll tell you what. Now is the greatest time in, in American history to work, to be a youth ministry guy. I am telling you. So in March, I went to a funeral of an old youth worker of mine, and his name was Gary Ballantyne. Gary was one of my youth staff around 2000. He, at the time, was in his late 50s, so he was our age, and he was a gray beard. Gray, he was like us, you know, only he had a big, long gray beard. He died uh, less than a year ago at age 80, and there were students from his small group came from three different states to honor him. Uh, 
and he was a youth worker in his 60s at the time. I'm telling you, this is the this is the time. This is the time. Yeah. So they can Amen. they can reach you at honorchangeseverything.com. Any closing thoughts? Brother, I just want to say thank you for having us. Uh, and, and I'm excited about what this could mean and excited about guys that are sitting on the bench that want to get in the game. And uh, it's so easy. It's so easy. So come join us. It'll change your life and it'll impact thousands. I can tell you went to my website. <laughs> get them out of the bleachers and into the game. Get them out yeah. of the bleachers in the game. Thank you for honoring me just now. I appreciate that. You didn't. You tried not to show it, but I I got it. No, so I appreciate that, man. Well, that's what it's all about. About honoring you, you honoring me, and uh, and le and let's honor this younger generation. I'll close the story from D.L. Moody that I love so much. He came home from a revival service back in the eighteen hundreds. His wife said, "How to go?" He goes, "Well, it was okay. I led two and a half people to the Lord." She said, "Oh." Two adults and a child? He goes, no, I led two children and an adult to the Lord. The adult had already lived half his life. Come so on. there is a lot there, guys. So, man, get your boots on the ground, guys. I want to encourage you to head on over to Tony's website. He's doing some great things, man, and he's doing it. I mean, my dad was a public school teacher for 40 years. I coached high school football and middle school football. I love the public schools. My kid was, kids went there. But, guys, let's be honest. We're heading. Those kids are in the belly of the beast. They need godly guys godly women to go in there and to bring them out so guys thank you so much hey thanks so much tony for coming on man what a blessing thanks for having me brother god bless you and thanks for all you do yep awesome this week's man law is man law number 30 as found in my book man laws 101 ways to get your man card revoked and rules to live by feel free to head on over to our website at menandarena.org and grab a free copy of man laws for yourself this is man law number 30 comes from ryan fields and ryan writes in and says this if women don't find you handsome they should at least find you handy. Man, thank God for that. <laughs> Life rule is this. Know how to fix and repair most things around your house. Ryan, thanks so much for sending us that, man. Send us your physical address. We want to say thank you with a, a gift of swag sent your way. Hey, guys, we're coming up to the end of the year. Did you know that Men in the Arena is a crowdfunded, faith-based, 501c organization? We receive approximately 90% of our operating budget income from our finance champions at the end of this year would you please consider donating a one-time gift or becoming one of our monthly financial champions to men in the arena hey guys make sure if you enjoyed today's episode on strengthening your public school children make sure you share that link with one of your bros that might need some help god we're, we are in this together guys so let's let's get it done share these links spread our message and let's impact lives for jesus christ until next time Feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.